Welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I am thankful to be your host. I am thankful that you have joined our program for today. We are continuing our study of the one true church, of the church of the Bible, and we are making sure that we know what the church of the Bible is. Not according to history, because we know that history uh, tells us of multiple churches, of denominations, and uh, different origins, and different founders, and different places in which they are found, and different times in which they are founded. But we know that the church of the Bible is different, because the church of the Bible Is founded by Christ. We know that its foundation is the Son of God. He is the laid foundation, the tried foundation, the apostolic foundation. He is the rock upon which the church is founded. Faith in Christ as the Son of God is what the church is truly founded upon. And if we cannot read of the church in the Bible, if we cannot read of the church that we are a part of in the Bible, then what we are a part of is a man-made organization, something that is foreign to Scripture. If we practice what is not found in the Bible, or if we do not practice what is found in the Bible, If we fail to teach the things of the Bible, then we are not doing what God wants us to do. We are not the people that God wants us to be. In order to be true Christians, in every sense of uh, of the way that that is seen in Scripture, we must be the church of the Scriptures, and that is our endeavor. And so as we continue our study today, we are going to look at the origin of the church. And and if the origin of the church that you are a member of is not the same as what we read of in Scripture, then again, might I suggest that changes need to be made in your life personally, in maybe the congregation that you are a member of. Maybe it's something that They are willing to change. As I have studied uh, the history of the church and and even going back to um, the restoration movement, not the reformation movement, but the restoration movement, there were men that wanted to restore the church of the Bible. And so they they, they decided to go back to the Bible and everything that they did. 
And there were congregations who were converted to the ways of Scripture. But we need to make sure that we are members of the Church of the Bible. And so as we go forward today, that is going to be, uh, again, our endeavor to make sure that we are the Church of the Bible. Before we get into our lesson for today, let's bow as we always do in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day. We are thankful for the opportunity that we have been given to study together your word. And we pray, Father, that you would bless us in our endeavor to do those things that you have set forth for us in Scripture. Help us to be the people that you would have us to be. Help us to be good and faithful Christians. We pray, Father, that you would found us, that you would ground us in your word and be with us as we go forward, as, as we try to, to study these things, to understand them. Guide us in that understanding and help us to, to see the things that you have given us, the things that you have laid before us in your word. We are thankful for your son, for his sacrifice for our sins, for the establishment of his church through him, your church. And we pray, Father, that you would, uh, again, allow us to be members of that church, uh, but help us to, to recognize the importance of doing your will in all things. We thank you for giving us life. And it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. We begin our study today in Matthew chapter 16. And this is kind of where we have begun uh, the last couple of lessons that we have had. And this is a, a very important verse that we are looking at. The context is that beginning with verse 13, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do men say that I am. And they give the answers, the answers that the people would give. They give the answers such as John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus asks the more important question, not who do men say that I am, but he says, who do you who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, he knew the answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16 and verse 16. Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And we've almost been breaking down verse 18 uh, a little bit here and there to understand the founding, the foundation of the church, and even today its origin. And I also say to you that you are Peter. You've been calling him Simon. We see him as Simon Peter in uh, verse 16, 
Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon's son of Jonah or Jonas. But you are Peter. That is the way that we commonly know him, not as Simon, but as Peter, the name that Jesus referred to him as. He would become Peter. He would become a rock. And that is the meaning of the name. I also say to you that you are Peter. A name meaning rock or stone. And on this rock, not the rock of Peter, though that is the name that Jesus gives him here. But we're not to misunderstand what is being said here. Jesus is saying on this rock, in reference to what Peter said in verse 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And on this rock, I will build my church. We find Christ as the founder, the builder of his church. And what did he build his church upon? He built his church upon faith. Faith in him as the son of Of the living God. If you think about it. uh, Maybe it was. Especially if you were, were raised in the church. That as you became a Christian. That you were asked. To make a confession. The confession that you believe. That Jesus Christ. Is the son of the living God. And that he died. On the cross. To save you. For your sins. It is upon that faith that the church is founded. And it is a very important confession that we make, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because if we do not make that confession, if we do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, then we cannot be members of his church. On this rock, the rock of your faith, the rock of your confession, that you believe that I am the Son of God on this rock, I will build my church. So far we have looked at Jesus as the founder and the foundation of his church. It is upon faith in him that the church is founded. But today I want us to to concentrate on Uh, the latter part of this verse. What Jesus here says next, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Death tried to take Jesus. Death tried to have its way with Jesus. Not not here where we're in Matthew 16, but later as we find that Jesus went to the cross. That he suffered persecution. He suffered physical pain and agony inflicted upon him by the Jews. 
because of the Jews, because they wanted him dead. Jesus died on the cross. Yet we also know that not only did he die, but he was also resurrected from the grave. The the word Hades, that's what it means. It means the grave. And there's the the Hebrew word is, is Sheol in the Old Testament, but it basically means the grave. And the King James Version, unfortunately, if that is the version that you are using, uses the word hell. And there are actually, uh, I believe it's four different terms that are translated hell in the King James Version. And that's not a good rendering of what is being said here. But what it's talking about is not hell, not in the sense of of hell that that we think of eternal punishment, that's not the way that, that it is used here. The gates of Hades, the great gates of, of the grave, the pit, shall not prevail against it. Jesus was buried in, in a tomb. But even being in a grave, he was not held by that grave. And so he says that that not just for him, but for his church also, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against Jesus and it shall not prevail against the church. He is the builder, the founder of his church and the gates of the grave shall not prevail against it. If Jesus was not resurrected, then we have no reason to be here today. And so we find that that after Hades tried tried to hold the Son of God, it failed because the gates of Hades shall not prevail against him, and it shall not prevail against his church. I want you to turn with me for a moment to the book of Acts. And let's look at the book of Acts and and let's look at what Peter has to say in his sermon. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 31. Acts chapter 2 and verse 31. And let's let's take it up to the beginning of, uh, of this paragraph at least as I have it divided in the New King James that I am using. In verse 29, he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Let me pause for a moment and make a point here. In looking at the the various denominations that our world has created, the the different belief systems, we have such religions as as Buddhism and uh, that that is founded upon a person, 
And, and there are some others, too, that, that are founded like that on a person. Even going back to the founder of each of the various denominations, Roman Catholicism, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, all of these have earthly founders. They have earthly beginnings. Again, times in which men decided we need to do something different, and so they created a religion that did something different, and that's all that they did. They didn't go back to the Bible necessarily. They may have in some ways, but but not completely. We need to go to the entire Word of God and understand what it means for us today and apply that to what we believe and what we practice, what we do. Buddha and all the other religions in, in which they are founded upon a person, they're all dead and buried. Those were, were maybe very great men or even women, but that doesn't mean that they are to be worshipped, and that's what is, is, is important that we realize as far as Christianity is concerned. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, the throne of David. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Is Jesus, God is raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Peter says, speaking of David, uh, it was David's descendants that would come, that would sit on the throne of David. And Jesus eventually takes the throne of David, though not an earthly throne. He is going to take upon himself uh, what began with David's throne, but he is going to sit upon a spiritual throne at the right hand of the Father. And concerning the resurrection of the Christ, it is prophesied that his soul was not left in Hades, and it was not. His soul was not left in the grave. Remember what Jesus said when he was on the cross. Whenever he talked to the thief that asked for forgiveness, he said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus was 
not left in the grave. But we know know a little bit about paradise from Luke 16, from the description of the rich man and Lazarus, and, and where Lazarus ended up in a place of paradise, whereas the rich man ended up in torment. But the soul of Jesus was not left in the grave. He was taken to a place of paradise where he remained until his resurrection. That his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Jesus was raised from the dead. And he lives even today. We do not serve someone who is passed from this life, who may have been a good example, who may have taught a lot of good things. Jesus was more than that. He was and is the Son of the living God. And so, as we move on from that point, we realize that Jesus is not dead. The grave has no hold on our Savior, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. But let's look now at the book of Mark. Turn with me to the book of Mark. Let's look at chapter 9 and the way that Mark 9 begins. In Mark chapter 9, verse number 1, and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Jesus tells uh, those that he is speaking to, his disciples, Take up the cross and and follow me. And this is is what he says here at the end of that, that short discourse. I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death. Who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. There is a belief system. There, there is a belief. At least I've heard that that there are those that believe that there are some that are living today somewhere in a secret place that have defied the odds, so to speak, that have defied uh, natural laws of, of life and death, that live even today waiting for the kingdom of God to be presented waiting for the kingdom of God to take form. Let me tell you that we are not waiting for the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is in the form of the church. And it was to be established while the apostles lived. Brief interruption there. Hopefully you're still there. Um... I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. 
the kingdom of God was established in the days of the apostles. As we read in Acts chapter 2 that we'll go to in a moment. But let's go on from there. It was going to be presented with power. When the Holy Spirit and power came, that is when the church was established. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 and verse 8. And this is what Jesus says to his apostles. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that is what is taking place when we come into Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Um, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In verse 8 of Acts, or well, we already looked at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But as we look at these verses here in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit did come in the form of, of them being able to speak in languages that they did not know. These were, for the most part, unlearned men. Uh, they were, were not that well educated. They had gone into businesses of their families. Uh, some of them were fishermen, for instance. And yet they were able to speak in the tongues of other nations, uh, languages that they did not know. Church was established when the Holy Spirit and power came, just as is stated in Mark chapter 9 and verse 1 in the days of the Apostles. When the word of the Lord went forth from Jerusalem is again when this church was established. Let's look for a moment at Isaiah chapter 2. I know that I'm running a little short on time, and so we'll try to move a little quickly. Isaiah chapter 2, beginning with verse 2, we read this Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. Out of Zion shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Where were the Jews? Where were the apostles on the day of Pentecost? In Jerusalem. Any church that is founded in a place other than 
Jerusalem cannot be the church of the Bible. Whether it be founded here in America, whether it be founded in Rome or Germany or England or Switzerland or any of the other places in which denominations have been founded, they cannot be the church of the Bible because the church was founded not in these places, not at these times, but in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, following the Lord's resurrection from the dead. In Luke chapter 24, notice verse 49. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, and this will be the last passage that we look at today. Luke 24 and verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And as Acts follows Luke, not in the chronology of the Bible, obviously John is, is in between. But Luke wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. And as we read into the book of Acts chapter 1, we find the apostles waiting in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them, until the power came and the word of the Lord was fulfilled. The establishment of the church was on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem approximately somewhere around A.D. 33. Any church that is not founded as such is not the church of the Bible. Did your church begin at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in A.D. 33? Is your church established by Christ? Is he the founder and the foundation of the church that you are a member of? Is your church, the church that you are a member of, has it passed the test? Is it the church that we read about in the Bible? You can read about the church in the Bible. And that same church exists today. And I hope that you are a member of that church. If you have any questions, anything that you would like to ask, if there's any way that we can help you, please feel free to contact us. Uh, go to our website, www.marshillcoc.org, and our contact information is there. And we would love to hear from you. But I thank you for being with me today, and I hope to be back with you again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. But until we meet again, may God bless you. Uh-huh.